morning, church. It's a joy to be here with you all and to be able to bring the Word of God for us this morning. I'm going to invite you to just get ready your Bibles and turn to First John. First John, and we'll be reading from chapter number three, and then we will be looking at verse one. First John, chapter number three, and verse one. It should be on the screen. I cannot see the screen, but I believe it should be on the on the screen there for you guys. First John 3, verse 1. And let us read. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Let us pray. Our God and our Father in heaven, indeed, as we're singing, you are the God of greater glory. You are the great King, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You do not need anything, O God, for you are perfect, in everything that you are, nothing that we do or what we do not do can change who you are. Yet, O oh God, you desire for us to come before you, and you have made a way for us to come to you, to be able to pray even like this. And we want to thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that even as we gather here, it is because of what you've done for us. And so Lord, help us this morning that we would listen to you even as we reflect on this wondrous work that you have accomplished for us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to listen. Help us, Lord, Father, just to be amazed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those that have read the Old Testament, in the book of First Kings, chapter number 10, we find the story of Solomon and the queen of Sheba. The queen at the head of Solomon, we read, she had the head of his fame, concerning the name of the Lord. And so she left the land where she was from to visit Solomon, to test him with hard questions. She told Solomon all that was in her heart, and he answered all her questions. We read that there was nothing that Solomon could not explain to her. After she had listened to Solomon, 
and gained from his wisdom and having all her questions answered satisfied and after she had seen his servants his offerings that he brought before the Lord after she saw his wealth we read in verse 5 of 1 Kings 10 that there was no bread in hand Although the queen of Sheba, she was a queen, she was called the queen. She was of royalty herself. So she was someone of serious status already. However, when she met Solomon, when she interacted with Solomon, at the end of her visit, she was amazed by Solomon. What she saw and understood so affected her that she was left breathless. She was without breath. What about us? What about you and me? What is the one thing if you look at the Queen of Sheba, she was blown by Solomon. Everything that was happening in his life and who he is, his stature, everything that he possessed, she was like, whoa. She could not believe what she had seen. We read that she says, actually, the people who had spoken about Solomon, the people who had caused her to leave her land to go visit Solomon, had actually not told her half of what she saw. That is how much she was blown by what she experienced when she visited Solomon. But what about you and me? What is the one thing that you would say, this is the one thing that blows your mind? Think about that. Even as you sit there, what is the one thing that you say, this is the one thing that wows me? It does not matter how many times you think about it. It doesn't matter how many times you have seen it. It doesn't matter how many times you have heard about it. You are always left with a dropped jaw. Like, you think about it, you're always blown. And that is what I want us to talk about here today. I want us to speak about God's love. God's love from the passage where we read. And I want to speak under the topic, God's great love. My goal is to help us see God's great love for us. I want us to slow down as we consider how much God has loved us. Not just to consider it and leave it there. My goal is that to try at least to shake us that we may be amazed by God's love. The Queen of Sheba was amazed by Solomon's wisdom and wealth. But guess what? We know the one who gave Solomon his wisdom. We have come to know God 
And to us is not just God, but he is our father. God is our father. And I want us to think about what God has given us. We will look at three points from verse 1, namely, the command to behold this love. We will look at the source and the nature of this love. And then lastly, we will look at the results of that come from this love. Now if we look at our text there, what John says basically there in verse number 1 flows from what he just mentioned above in verse number 29 of chapter number 2 where he says if you know that he is righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God there in chapter number 2 John explicitly introduced the concept of being born of God that those who practice righteousness are born of God they are children of God so as John moves to chapter number 3, verse 1, John remembers the amazing nature of God's love by which believers are granted this privilege, the privilege of being children of God. As John thinks about what God has done in salvation, he himself was amazed. He was so astonished that he could not contain himself. And so he issued the call to all believers to join him in his amazement. The command is to see the love, to behold the love. Seeing here does not just refer to physic, what we physically observe with our eyes. See is an imperative, a call to give immediate attention and reflection. It is like John here was saying to them, whatever that you're doing, stop. Look at this. Think about it. Behold the love of God. The word there, see, it's actually in plural, meaning the command was to all believers. He was not just talking to one person, but to all the believers that he was writing to. John wanted them to ponder on the wondrous reality of God's love for them. His desire was that his readers may also be awestruck by God's love. The readers had faced challenges. They faced challenges. As he was writing to them, things were not very, very well. False teachers wanted to deceive them. They wanted to deceive them, to call them to abandon the truth. These false teachers had actually even separated themselves and they had split the church taken some people even with them. They had taken some of their followers who followed their teaching. And they continued seeking to draw more people out of the church. 
Their erroneous teaching included their denial of the incarnation, that Jesus is the Christ, and they also claimed to be sinless, and that sin basically did not exist. They did not really much concerned about sin. They lived life as if God's law did not matter. And you can imagine the church split. There's so much of this teaching that goes contrary to what the Bible teaches, to what the apostle had laid down for us as the foundation. You can imagine how much damage this teaching of these false teachers was causing to the church. You can think of the pain of seeing people whom you thought were brothers and sisters leaving the church knowing that what they're going to is actually nothing they actually chosen a way that leads to destruction imagine the confusion and the panic because you do not know what is going to happen next you can imagine these readers here wondering how do we move forward it is in light of these threats, in light of this confusion, in light of this pain, in light of this panic, and maybe even doubt, that John writes this letter of reassurance. And that is why in verse 3, he calls them to stop everything. He said, stop! Lift up your eyes! Ponder! on God's love and be amazed by it. It is like John was performing a CPR or by the first words that they would use those that are in the medical field. They call it the defilibration. I had to repeat this a few times to make sure I can say it properly. The defilibration on their hearts. He was trying to really resuscitate their heart. The hearts of their believers might have like gone out of rhythm. There's so much going on. The heart goes out of rhythm. But John comes and he calls them. He says, behold, look up. And his aim was actually to get their hearts back to normal rhythm. When Brother Dumi opened here, he spoke about the turmoil in this life. There's so many things that happens. When stuff like that happens, what do we do? Do we go with the flow or we pause and we look up so that we can worship? Life can get so busy with projects, with school, with work, with problems with family. Sometimes the demands are so overwhelming that we start to lose the rhythm. It caused, the, the business of life causes so much of disturbance that we, our hearts even begin to lose the rhythm. Sometimes it's even not issues that are on the outside things that are happening around us. Sometimes it's not because of that. Sometimes it's because of issues within our own hearts. Our sin. Sometimes you find that we struggle with a particular sin. We struggle with it so much 
that will make it so big, bigger than the grace of God, that it disturbs the rhythm of our hearts. The sin so consumes us that we can no longer think straight about the important things. Life is so busy, so much of turmoil going on, that we cannot remember what are the main things. John says, stop, stop, look up, see how much God has loved you. Church, we need to take and listen and heed this call and this command that John gives here. To learn to pause, to slow down, and to think about God's love for us. We want to remember the love of God. If you are a believer and you're sitting here today, I'm sure once upon a time in your life, you were amazed by God's love. I'm sure you remember when you first came to salvation, that day when you finally came to that point where your eyes were finally opened, and you behold, you looked at the Son of God, you saw His glory, you saw what your sin was, you saw His beauty, and you abandoned it all, and you liked nothing else, you desired nothing else, but only Christ. Because you had seen how beautiful He is, and His love for you, And that is what I hope, that even as we look at this text here, we may again go back to that, not only for today, but for all our life until Christ comes back. Oh, when, until we die. To remember, to look up all the time, regardless of whatever that is happening around us. But to remember, to look up, to behold, the love of God. So that we can be amazed once again, like it did when we first came to salvation. That we can pray like David in Psalm 51, 12. Oh, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Do you remember that? Do you remember how precious you once saw Christ you want so the love of God to be when nothing else mattered to you but that you had God. Behold the love of God. And this leads us to the second point. What is the source of this love? And what is its nature? The source of love is the Father. John is amazed by the kind of love the Father gave us. In the original, the phrase there, what kind, means of what country or of what nation. 
It's the same phrase used in Matthew 8, verse 27, to capture the marveling of the disciples after the, after the Lord Jesus Christ had calmed the storm. He was sleeping, and there was a big storm, and they ran to him, they saying, Hey, do you not care? We are about to drown here. Wake up. He did what they wanted them to do. He wakes up, and he calms the storm. And after he calms the storm, they're like, Whoa! They asked, what sort of a man is this? That even the winds and the seas obey him. The disciples were astonished by what the Lord Jesus Christ had just done. The storm had just listened to a man. And they're like, whoa, what, what sort of a man is this? It was clear to them, no doubt, that Jesus was like no other man on earth. They had not seen anything like what they had just seen. He was different. And in the same way here, when John says what kind of love, John was so astonished at how foreign the Father's love is to anything that this world has ever known. He wondered, from what country such a love may come. Church, the Father's love is mind-blowing because it is, it, is, it, it is from out of this world. And we should be amazed by it. This is agape love. It is love that has its, its foundation and ground in the character of God himself. Love is who God is. As God is spirit, and as God is light, so God is love. For eternity, God the Father has existed in a love relationship with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Yet out of his free and sovereign good pleasure, the good pleasure of his will and out of his goodness he chose to love believers to love you and me he elected us to everlasting life he chose us in his son jesus christ before the foundations of the earth god purposed that it was through christ through christ we were going to be blessed and have fellowship with him. However, however, Genesis 3, we were found to be with sin. We were found to be with sin, and our sin separated us from God. The word of God tells us that was the biggest problem of them all. The Bible tells us, for all we all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were by nature the children of wrath, and we could not escape the justice of God and the demands of His holiness. And as the apostle tells us in Romans 6:23. The wages of sin is death. 
We deserve to die, spending eternity in hell, facing the righteous anger of God. This is all humanity. This is all of us. All of us were in this boat, dead, no spiritual life. No one could claim to be right before God. There was nothing good we could even do to please God. It's not like there was like some, some, some sign of life in us. We were completely dead. In fact, we were unlovable. We were unlovable. We could not come close to God and still live because of our sin. We were without hope. We were without God. And this was our problem. And with that problem, we could not save ourselves. We could not do anything to help ourselves in the situation where we found ourselves. And this is still the problem. If you sit here and you do not know Christ, and you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is still the problem that you still have. But God, how sweet these words are. Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. At the right time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son to die for depraved men like me and you, dead men like me and you, to redeem us from the curse of sin so that we might receive adoption, so that we can be made sons of God, sons and daughters of the almighty God. 1 John 4, 9 says in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. How? That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And it was not cheap love. It was costly love. It's not like it was just like a simple thing, just go do it. This was costly love. Church, Jesus emptied himself of all. As we sing in one of the famous songs, he emptied himself of all but love. And he bled to save us from our sin. Church, it was love for sinners like you and me that led Jesus to the cross. 1 John 4.10, John again writes, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Paul echoes the same thought in Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church, the cross of Christ 
is the supreme demonstration of the love of God for us. Do you want to see God's love for you? Look at the cross. God's love is a self-giving love. It is a love that seeks the good of others. And in this case, bless God because his love sought our good. Me and you, people who did not deserve it. God's love is so big, it is so high, it is so deep, it is so wide and so long. It does not have an end or a beginning, just as God himself does not have a beginning or an end. God's love for us has always existed as long as God has existed, for, and God is forever. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they would know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. Knowing God changes everything. Knowing his love changes everything. We are his children, his heirs and co-heirs with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something that just blows your mind? That sinners, dead people, were made children and heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Guess what? We did not have to do anything. We did not need to earn his love. We could not earn it. There was nothing that we could do. We did not bring anything to the table but our deadness, sin. It was freely given to us. His love was freely poured for us out of God's goodness. Praise God for his goodness. Praise God for his love. By grace we have been saved through faith, which is a gift itself from God. There's nothing and nothing, Paul says, you can go anywhere. There's nothing that can separate us from this love of God for us that is in Christ Jesus, his son. And we cannot boast. We don't need to boast. Because it was freely given. We cannot boast. But guess what? We can marvel. We can marvel. This is so amazing that we'll spend all eternity marveling at God's love. Praising Him. And yet, we will never say we have praised Him enough. After thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years in His presence, we will still want to praise him more because of what God has done. This is amazing love. Behold the love of God. But before we go to heaven, while we are still here on earth, God has called us to remember and ponder how much he has loved us 
And that's why John has written for us and he commands us stop it all. Pause. Look up. Behold. God's great love for you. Do you see how much the Father loves you? Do you see how much as believers we have been loved? And this leads us to the third and our final point. The results that this love brought is that we have been made the children of God. The reason God acted to save us was to adopt us into his family. The love of God made us his children. Children not born of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but God. We have been given a new birth. We have new hearts. We have new life in Christ. It is not by fault that John in this first verse calls God our Father, even as he points us to him. That is who God is. We have a relationship with him. If you are a believer and you are sitting here today, that is who you are. You have that relationship and God is your father. You are his son and you are his daughter. However, at this point, it's also very important to remind us that even as we read that, you know, God is our father, God did not become a father when he adopted us. God's fatherhood is eternal. It did not start with our adoption, but it's through Christ, through Jesus, that God becomes our father. That is you and me today. We are children of God and no one can change that. Our status cannot be cancelled. Your status cannot be cancelled. Not by the government. Not by Satan. Not by your struggle with sin. Not by any trouble of life. There is no sin that you will commit if you have been saved that will separate you. Christ has died it for, it, for it all. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We struggle but we continue pressing on because God is at work in us. He has gotten hold of us. He will never lose us. And guess what? We will be perfected in time. He will get us to the finish line. We will cross that finish line. Nothing will stop us. And so, even as we think about that, we don't want to let all these things disturb the rhythm of our hearts. 
We don't want to let these things disturb that reading. Our salvation is sure. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved. God started it. He said it. He will accomplish it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And at the end of verse 1, we are warned against expecting anything good from the unbelieving world. John says there, do not be surprised if the world does not recognize you as a child of God. Church, we must not expect to get approval or support from the world. I'm sure you know how strange you look to the people around you. I'm sure you have seen how sometimes even in other areas the church is persecuted. In fact, we should expect the opposite from the world because even Jesus was rejected. And by rejecting us, we should rejoice. When we are rejected still, we should be rejoiced. Rejoicing. Because the world confirms our relationship with the Father. The unbelieving world lives separated from God. That's why they would not know us. That's why they would think you strange. Because they living separated life from God. They actually disregard God. They live as if God does not exist. And as if God does not care. So church, we are still in the world, but we know we're not of the world. And we know the world does not recognize us. So we should not try and even assess ourselves by the world or the standards of the world. That, that comes sometimes and causes our hearts to lose rhythm. Because we're wanting to align with the world of the standards of the world. No, we are children of God. We are marching heavenward. We are headed to heaven. We are not of this world. So we must not try to match the standard of the world. Our standard is here. Our priority is here. The main thing for us is here. Not what is on TV. Not the latest trend. We are children of God. The world does not even recognize us. Why go after the world? Because they're going to push us away. Or if they don't push us away, we find ourselves mingling with the world and associating and going with the world. And we might have missed the main thing. We must not assess ourselves by the standard of the world. It does not even recognize us. If we do this, we will save ourselves from a lot of pain. And it will help us to keep the main thing, the main thing. The glory of God. We are saved to magnify the great Savior. To bless His name. To sing of His love. To tell of His goodness, His majesty, His holiness. 
This is what we are called to. That's what we want to press towards all the time. We are children of God. This is the relationship we have with the Father through His Son. Let me ask you again, church. Is that not reason enough for us to be amazed by God's love? I mean, the Queen of Sheba was impressed by wisdom. She was impressed by wealth. But we have God as our Father. This should, should this not blow our mind? Should this not leave us with dropped jaws? Considering where we have been taken from, you know the kind of person that you were before Christ saved you. You know yourself very well. I don't need to explain it. At least I know the kind of person I was. And this blows my mind. How could God have loved me? How could God have loved us? Indeed, this is amazing grace. Amazing grace. It's amazing grace. And we can sing, and that's why we'll sing forever and ever and ever of this love. That is for us who are believers. But even as we sit like this, there might be some people who are not believers. And you're like, what are we talking about? I'm glad you understand that and you doesn't make sense to you. You have not tested this love if you are an unbeliever. If you are here and you have not repented from your sin and put your faith in Christ, you do not know and have not tested this love. So I ask that you do not let this day pass by. God wants you to come to him. And that is why he has made a way for you through his son. Humble yourself and come before him this day. Do not wait to cleanse yourself or to get yourself fit to save him. Come as you are. Jesus' blood is sufficient to wash your sin away. He died on the cross for your sin so that you do not have to die. And as the old famous hymn says, in Christ is perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To everyone who believes, God promises to forgive. Even the vilest offender who truly believes, this moment from Christ, this moment from Jesus, a pardon will receive. Repent from your sin and put your faith in him. Accept his forgiveness today. And to the rest of us, the many people out there who do not know this truth, Pastor Donovan prayed As we go out, let's behold 
and look up and that will live a life of worship, beholding, being amazed by God, that will live sacrificial lives, going out, even telling more people about this great love. We want to live life amazed on a day-to-day -day basis. Let us not let the turmoils, let us not let those disturbances of life the school work, the work work, the family work, the problems cause us to have our hearts and it rhythm to be disturbed. But let's remember to behold the love of God and be amazed by it that we may be charged up even as we worship him to live radical lives for our God. Let us pray. God, we want to thank you for making a way for us to know you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you acted on our behalf, oh God, to bring us into your family. Once, Lord, we were dead indeed. We actually ran away from you with everything that we had. But today we know you and we bless your name. Even as we're reading from uh, Titus 2, oh God, that though the, the, the grace of God has appeared, Lord, we don't want to just see it and just enjoy this, that we have grace. But help us, oh Lord God, just to press towards holiness, to live godly life, to renounce anything, oh Lord God, Father, that would not be pleasing before you. Help us to grow as a church, to love you, to enjoy your love, to do this week in and week out. That's why we come here. We want to sing and hear each other singing to each other how great the love, how amazing this love is. Help us not to get tired of it. Help us to behold your love. This amazing love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.